Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Advent means Christ will come again. Now, Advent is often equated with preparing for Christmas. That's actually not the point of Advent. Uh, Sure, many churches like ours, uh, we put up our Christmas decorations early, but we're not preparing for Christmas in Advent. We can't, uh, at least not really prepare for Christmas, because Christmas isn't something we can prepare for. It's not a feeling. Uh, It was an actual event that happened in the past, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, when Christ first came into the world as a true man. But Advent is about preparing, not for Christ's first coming, but for his second coming, when we will see him returning in cloud and great glory to judge the living and the dead. This is the event Jesus is talking about in our gospel lesson. And so when Jesus says, as he does in our gospel, watch, stay alert, it doesn't mean watching your credit card balance to to make sure you you haven't gone over with all the extra shopping you've done at the holidays. Or it doesn't mean sign up for alerts so you get all the best deals. Um, When we hear John the Baptist say, prepare and repent, We don't hear this in Advent, so we can prepare by by doing all the shopping, baking all the cookies, sending all the cards, doing all the things. In fact, the way to prepare and repent may just mean putting some of these things aside, especially if they crowd out preparing our hearts and receiving Jesus in his means of grace so that we are ready when he returns again. You could do all the prep you want for Christmas, but none of it will save you. And this is hard for us to hear because this is what we do. We spend our lives preparing, don't we? We spend our lives preparing for later in life, not just at Christmas. We spend our time training to hopefully get a spot on a team. We spend our time... Uh, studying to get into that school. We spend our, our, our time planning the perfect vacation. We spend our time saving up our money. But what's our reasoning behind doing any of this? It's worry, isn't it? But what does Jesus say? Watch yourselves, or else your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the worries of this life. Now, I've mentioned before in my sermons that I'm reading through Augustine's Confessions this year. They tell tell pastors not to overuse illustrations in sermons because you don't want to be that guy where every sermon has to have a football illustration. Not that you have to worry about that with me. Um, But as it happens, I was doing my reading in Augustine uh, just the other day, and he quoted this verse. And Augustine has a, has a tremendous way of getting right to the heart of the matter, which also means that it's really annoying, and he hurts, because he exposes my idolatry. Augustine said this, 
while we eat and drink for the sake of health, a perilous enjoyment enough often tries to run ahead of it so that what I say I'm doing and really desire for my health's sake, I do in fact for the sake of enjoyment. Because of this uncertainty, my soul, my wretched soul is glad and uses it as a cover and as an excuse, rejoicing that it does not clearly appear what is sufficient for the needs of health, so that under the cloak of health, it may shelter the busyness of pleasure. I'll explain it like this. Advent is a really busy season. For all people, and especially for pastors, there's about double the work that there is in other seasons, and this year as a whole, there's, there's been more work. And, and, and I've been thinking, man, I, I really need a vacation. That would, that would make me healthy. But do I need it actually for my health, or am I just convincing myself out of selfishness that I need it for my health? Well, probably a little bit of both. And that's Augustine's point. We are so corrupt that as human beings, we can't separate something good from sin. They're intertwined. Some of us will turn to different things when it gets tough. Some of us will turn to drinking, like the example Jesus gave. Drinking can be a good thing, but it can also become a spiritual narcotic, numbing us to our sin. We can convince ourselves that we need it for our health. Any other addiction is no different. Worry is no different. Worry, at least about earthly things, can also become an addiction. Because we can convince ourselves that, that we need this, that we need to prepare for whatever it is in our future life, all the while it's numbing us to the reality that one day the Lord will return. If you've never struggled with the temptation of addiction or the temptation of drunkenness or, or, or any other addiction, Augustine says, know that it was the Lord's doing. If you have struggled with this in the past but, but are now sober, Augustine says, know that it was the Lord's doing. And if you know that it was the Lord's doing, this also is the Lord's doing. At the beginning of our text, Jesus says, there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Remember at the beginning of the Bible, God created everything. God created the heavens and the earth, the, the sun, moon, and the stars. The fact that God made all these things means that God is still preserving them and he still preserves you. But now... Jesus speaks of the end of all these things. The unraveling of the old creation, the powers of the heavens are literally shaken. And on earth, Jesus' uh, nations will be in anguish, in perplexity, at the roaring of the sea and the surging waves, people fainting from fear and the expectation of the things coming on the world. But why are they so worried at the end of the world? Because up until now, they had worried only about the things of this world. For many people, the fact that, that one day everything will end is almost as unfathomable as God creating everything in the first place. But the end will come whether, our, whether we are prepared or not. Jesus says, for the end of the world 
will come like a trap on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Stay alert all the time, praying that you may be able to escape all these things that are going to happen, and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. So the way to prepare, according to Jesus, is to do two things. Watch and pray. Now, I think the church used to do this much better than we do today. There's a thing that the church has historically done called a vigil. Uh, we've done two vigils already this year, one for Easter and one for Pentecost, uh, both virtual this year. Uh, vigil comes from the Latin vigilia, to be vigilant, to be watchful. A vigil is a night watch. Roman soldiers were familiar with night watches. They would divide up the night into three or four sections, and, and a soldier would stay awake the entire time watching to make sure they weren't going to be uh, overcome by an enemy and defeated. Early Christians did this same thing. Uh, they, they did this same thing in communities, actually dividing up the night into watches so that at least some person in the community was always awake and always praying. Now, to our modern sensibilities, this sounds crazy to have somebody stay awake all night uh, watching and praying for the Lord's return. But we have no concept about the end of the world. We, we think the world is going to just keep on turning and, and going round and around forever. And we're not the only ones. Jesus said to his own disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, could you not keep watch with me for one hour? They had all fallen asleep. They had no idea Jesus would die the very next day. We have no idea if our Lord is going to return tomorrow. But these vigils are actually where we get our Christmas Eve service. The Christmas Eve service is technically a vigil. It's waiting. It's supposed to be a service of, of watching and of prayer. It's not the actual celebration of Christmas. That's in the morning on the 25th, the birth of Christ on Christmas. And, of course, the, the way the church celebrates this, the, the chief way is with what the, Lord, with what the church calls Christ's mass his Holy Supper, the Lord's Supper, in which he is literally born for us today and, and every day. But the idea that, that you would come on Christmas Eve, the, the idea was that you would come on Christmas Eve and you would stay all night in prayer and watching and you wouldn't leave until you celebrated Christ's Mass. I lament the fact that we've lost this. Maybe not the, the lack of sleep. I, I do like my sleep. But the idea of waiting and watching, culminating in the Lord's Supper, in the Lord's Supper being Christmas, that Jesus comes to us objectively. Because now the season's all about the feels, right? The subjective feels. We spend so much, so much time trying to create a feeling of Christmas as, almost as if we're the ones responsible for bringing Jesus back, for making Jesus come to us at Christmas. And so we're the ones right back uh, doing all the preparation. But I bring this up because this idea changes our perspective on when Jesus will come again. The church has had a confusing way, uh, somewhat, of, of speaking of the Lord's Supper. It calls it the already, but not yet. The already, 
but not yet. In the Lord's Supper, you are already joining the Feast of Heaven, but not yet fully. In the Lord's Supper, you are already enjoying the blessings brought to you by Jesus' second coming, but not yet fully. But if you recognize that, that Jesus does come to us today like this, in bread and wine, humbly, not in anger or power or terror, but with forgiveness, with life, with salvation, with peace, with with patience, with the communion of all the saints, with comfort, with hope, with strength, with joy. And we realize that, that, that all these things that the Lord has given to us here means that we have nothing to worry about. If we realize that the the way that he comes now, it means that the next time he comes, it'll be the same way, for us at least. It won't be terrifying at all, and we won't have to worry about it. Because we are already enjoying a preview of it, even though it hasn't happened fully yet. Jesus tells the parable of the fig tree. Jesus uses the fig tree as a a symbol of new life for Christians. It's not the end, but a beginning, a new beginning. When you see the fig tree spouting leaves, you, you know that summer is near. And after a long, hard winter, summer is a great thing. And so when you see the world around you spinning out of control, preparing for the worst, living a life weighed down with the worries of this life, Jesus says to you, lift up your heads because your redemption is near. Jesus' return in a cloud with power and great glory will be a great thing. Because he will be the same Jesus that comes to us today, freeing us from the pressures and the worries of this life. That's why we say as we are preparing for communion, lift up your hearts. You can let go of your worry. Jesus' return lifts the burden of preparing everything in this life perfectly off of you. Everything will pass away, but his word will not pass away. The ability to handle the pressures of this life that this life throws at us as we get ever closer to the end of the world is not the result of you doing all the things, but it is ultimately the result of you resting in the good news of the gospel. It's in realizing that we move through this life already in God's grace and mercy purely by the Lord's doing, and nothing can take that away from you. You can face whatever this world is going to throw at you in 2021. Who knows what's in that obelisk in the Utah desert, but you'll be able to handle it. Summer is coming, and so is our Lord. So be of great hope. Advent means Christ will come again. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey everyone, Pastor Hendricks here. A very quick thank you to those of you who have listened or watched our sermons either on our podcast or on YouTube. It's such a blessing to know that you are, are hearing God's word and by his grace growing in it as he promises. As you know, COVID has reduced our in-person attendance this year, which also means our offerings are also down. As a result, we're only about 75% to our budget this year. Normally at this time, we're about 90%, and then we do our catching up at the end of the calendar year. Well, it means we have a little bit more catching up to do this year. And as you know, the work of the church continues. In fact, we've offered more services this year and, and really done more things than we ever have before. So I would ask that, that you would prayerfully consider your giving at the end of this calendar year uh, in the weeks leading up to Christmas and, uh, and the end of the year. If you've already been giving uh, either online or, or uh, through, through uh, an online donation or checks, uh, thank you so much. Um, if you haven't, you can set up an online um, payment, a, a reoccurring offering on our website at faithlutheranoregon.com slash online giving, or you can go to our homepage and you'll find a link right there. Again, thank you so much. Uh, may God uh, continue to sanctify you in his word, the one thing needful. Uh, God bless you with the rest uh, of this church year and the rest of this calendar year.